This is At the Table, a play reading series by Charging Moose Media. Good afternoon from Harlem. Good afternoon from Harlem. I switched it from the last time. You did. It's afternoon now. I'm Ned. <laughs> I'm Rachel. Yeah. And we're we're psyched to have. Uh, we may not be able to go throw it to you right now because you're losing it. She's losing uh, it. Keisha Hutchinson is sitting on the couch right now, thinking, "What did I do wrong to get stuck in this room with what decisions did I make? Yeah. That really put us here." Um, but what she actually did is write an extraordinary play. Um, we're so psyched to have Chisa Hutchinson here today. Hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm I'm laughing my ass off. How are you? <laughs> I I'm I'm well. I'm hoping that uh, you're not going to run screaming from the room at some point. Like, who are these weirdos? And what do they want with my play? And making me come up to Harlem. So thank you for coming. Thank today. you for coming to Harlem. Yeah, man. Thanks for also, we're in Harlem, me. listeners. Welcome. This is the first time in Harlem, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mostly Queens so far. Queens and a little bit of Midtown. Queens and Midtown. Not so today. Who are you? Tell us about yourself. Well, I actually, I was born in Queens. Actually. Born in Queens. <laughs> <laughs> um, grew up mostly in Newark, New Jersey, where um, I didn't know squat about theater, really. Um, and then I got a scholarship to go to what I thought was a boarding school. Turns out it wasn't. So I moved in with a host family <laughs> closer oh. to the school. Oh my God. Where? Uh, where was? In Short Hills, New Jersey. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Oh, but the school is in Summit. Um, Kent Place School. So I lived with this host family. Um, <gasps> That's wild. Yeah. It was like colonizing another planet for me. Because <laughs> I'm like... Poor black girl, you know, from the hood or whatever. And then I move in with these wealthy white people, you know, in Short Hills, which is what it sounds like, you know, Short Hills. <laughs> so, um. They should put that on the sign. Welcome to Short Hills. It is what it, it is sounds like. It is what it sounds like. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, one of the good things that came out of, um, moving there and going to that school was I had a really rad um, drama teacher who actually recently passed. Oh, no. Um, Can we get a shout-out? Yeah, what's the name? Yeah, let's get a shout-out to, to Robert Pridham. What's up, Bob? He, um, he really I, I just turned me on to theater in, in a way that I don't think anyone else really could have. Most importantly, he took me to see August Wilson debate Robert Brewstein on the issue of colorblind casting. You're right? kidding. And this was back when people gave a shit about theater. So like this hall was like packed, you know, to the rafters, you know, <laughs> like, and I'm, we're sitting in a balcony, like, and I'm like scout in freaking, you know, <laughs> to kill a mockingbird, like leaning over the, yeah. <laughs> the balcony, you know, just completely riveted. Um, listening to this man be like, actually, no, like the best way that you can employ, you know, talented actors of color is to, I don't know, tell a story about people of color. And I'm like, right on, dude, yeah. <laughs> about it. Um, how yeah. old were you? I was, I want to say 15. I think I was, I think I was 15. Um, and it was just, it, that was such an eye opening experience for me. Um, because I had been, you know, I was very involved in theater in high school. I started acting like everybody else. It's like the gateway drug, <laughs> you know, 
So I was acting, but not really because it was like, oh, and now you're going to be a Theban princess. And now you're going to be, you know, this like the daughter of a Norwegian, you know, <laughs> whatever. Like, right. You know, so I always like, all right, okay, well, this is like make believe, but I'm not, this is nothing really that I can sink my teeth into. I'm always going to have this like double consciousness thing of, okay, is the audience wondering why this character is black, you know, or, Am I some kind of political statement, you know, so... And I'm like, that's bullshit, you know? Actors ought to be able to just do their craft, you know? Yeah. Which is, like, relate to this character and, and you know, get it out there. Um, so, yeah, I started writing in high school um, earnestly and then pursued it uh, at Vassar, where I was at for undergrad... Um, were you then, writing mostly plays or were, were you writing? Mostly plays, yeah. Um, I always knew I wanted to write, like even before I went to the fancy high, you know, <laughs> private school. Um, but I was writing short stories that were mostly like dialogue. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I don't want to waste time describing the environment. Like, what the fuck is that? So I can just be like, we're in an apartment and these two people are here and they're talking. <laughs> you know? um, and here's what they say that I could just like write the dialogue and not feel like a lazy writer <laughs> um so yeah plays are kind of a natural were kind of a natural fit for me anyway um but then to find out that I could like actually you know serve a purpose with <laughs> with the writing you know like I could actually um represent underrepresented people um get folks jobs who ordinarily wouldn't get jobs or like have a harder time getting jobs um you know and then also just sort of hip hip the mainstream to some you know some communities some populations and problems the struggles that we have that you know um that affect our our interaction or our ability to interact or engage um with the mainstream so yeah to to actually find out that like oh shit like I can use this as a tool <laughs> yeah um it's pretty exciting um and it still is it's um was that right from the beginning when you were writing did you feel like it yeah, was an opportunity I felt like, to do oh I have a mission now. Uh, yeah like, there was a mission um, right from it, I'm telling you it was that August Wilson experience mm. and then I was just like oh yeah it's amazing <laughs> the teenage moments that that you see a show or you see a for that to be I love that it was a, a a debate. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Right? It wasn't even like a theater show. It wasn't show, August Wilson you know? play. It was August Wilson the man. And I had read an uh, I think like one August. I think we read Fences because that's like you that's know, the one you read. The white people. <laughs> white people feel safest with that one. So. <laughs> so. And I wish yeah. I'd say I hadn't read that both in high school and in college, but yeah. I uh, yeah, no. did. Speaking of we might as well say hello. Uh, yes. Just entering the room is, is <laughs> Dustin Sullivan, fan favorite on At the Table. He, he just loves being on these episodes. He loves being on also, these episodes. Also, he lives here. Also, so. he lives in this apartment. Uh, you will remember Dustin was the author of our first play, Parched, and he played the role of Poot in our reading. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> your, your play is magnificent. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> and now I'll let you. Okay, cool. Thanks. I think... We should we should cut all that and just make it seem like Dustin just keeps showing up randomly. <laughs> In fact, we should take that section and copy and paste it into every interview. Oh yeah. Oh hey, Dustin. What's up? <laughs> How's it going? I'm with us as always. It's Dustin. <laughs> I wanted to be like you. Just really wanted to be involved in the podcast, and it never worked out. 
That's, I want that to be the bit. Sad tale. No, it's a sweet one. It's nice. Because here you are. You made it work. Um, we'll keep going. I think one of the things that um, struck me most when I was reading it, does the play have a villain for you? Racism? Racism. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Found it. Great. I mean, but okay. no, like, not an actual physical person because people are people, you know, and, and their experiences in life, like, lead them to a particular conclusion mm -hmm. about certain things, about which things matter and which things don't. And for these people, you know, not having, you know, black or brown people around or sort of in their in the vicinity, you know, like how, why are they supposed to care about us? You know, if we don't put ourselves in there, like if we don't make ourselves visible or, um, at least, I don't know, make some attempt at, at understanding these people who, who seem to not really give a shit about us, then like, how can we, like, we don't have the right to complain about it. You know what I mean? Like we don't, um, I don't know. <laughs> like, if you haven't at least tried to um, to reach out or um, um, establish some sort of some sort of connection to people who don't care about you, how are they ever going to care about you? Mm -hmm. like, I don't know if I I keep I feel like I keep repeating myself. No, but, no, no, no. That's fa um, that's fascinating, especially in kind of a post. In a, in a post-election world, in a, in a post-Trump world, or a yeah. current Trump world, there's all these discussions going on about community about community versus isolation, and isolation of communities, and mm -hmm. sort of the bubble that, the, the, any number of bubbles we've yeah. talked about, like online. You uh, care about your people who are right there next to you, you know yeah. what I mean? And then, like, it's easy in New York City where, you know, you've got all different kinds of people scrunched together that's a word scrunched yeah. <laughs> yeah um where you've got all different kinds of people interacting and, and mingling and going to school together and whatever you know um and working together like it's it's easy for us to care about each other you know if you see that someone who is different from you you know um is upset about something um you know you you care like you give a shit mm -hmm. um you know i'm not gay I'm not Muslim, right? But it upsets the shit out of me that, like, they're being targeted under this new administration. And, um, you know, like, yeah, I'm going to march. And, yeah, I'm going to sign the fucking petition. And, yeah, I'm going to call my congressman. You know, like, I'm going to do all of that stuff because I have friends. I have family. I have people in my community who are gay and who are Muslim and who are, you know, like, fill in the blank because there are so many people being targeted right now. <laughs> but, like, none of them apparently in Sharpsburg, Maryland. So, <laughs> you know, sure. so of course that's Trump country. And, um, you know, and of course they're not going to give a shit about us liberal northerners up here, you know, wagging our fingers and, and calling them ignorant and, and whatever all, you know, like mm -hmm. they're... Of course. <laughs> of course. Like, they're not going to give a shit unless we make them give a shit, you know? Yeah. Because guess what? We write plays. <laughs> like, or, like, yeah. you know, um, and people watch those plays and they get an impression of, like, um, they get an impression of, of you or at least someone's interpretation of you, you know? Um and if you don't like it, then, I don't know, maybe you should figure out how to relate to the rest of the world so that we're not fucking 
judging you severely all the time. I'm curious about the advent of the character of Poot. Because Poot is such an interesting character for me. For like Dustin, that's your character. How's it going, guys? Okay. Uh, <laughs> he's still here, by the way. Uh, both of the moments, the moment reading your play that I knew I wanted to do the play, like I, t I was texting them throughout. I, I did the first read and I was texting them like he every liked it so 15 pages. He was pages. angry texting us. I was like every was, 15 yeah, pages. Like, like, he was like, ah! Jesus, Jesus, go read Jesus. And... Go read Jesus' play. Go read it. Holy Jesus. It was late too. It was, yeah, like, it was like very late in the night. morning. Uh, but the first time that I was like, oh, I definitely want to do this play was when Jeff is asking Poot to Photoshop the results. Mm -hmm. And he says, as a, as a, 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 as a, a requirement of him agreeing to do this, he says, if you had had anyone with an earshot uh, who was black, would you have named your dog that? Mm -hmm. And Jeff thinks about it and he says, no, no, I wouldn't have done that. And I think that moment for me was when I was like, oh, this is interesting because we're entering like a weird, like a millennial racist. Like, is that what I can call him? Like someone who like, you know what I mean? Wow. Like someone who grew up in this very racist society, but the culture that he's surrounded by is relatively multi-ethnic, but his community isn't. So he like conceptually understands culture mm -hmm. and he's grown up within this very racist culture and he's kind of infused both of them. And that moment was fascinating for me. And then to have Poot have had all these experiences, the, the black girl he dated and all that, and decide to stay in Sharpsburg, Maryland, was a really interesting question for me because you watch this guy who morally didn't agree with what all of his friends were doing, mm -hmm. but he put up with it because he wanted to have friends. I find so fascinating. And I'm curious like where that character came from in your journey of writing this play. I just think, I'm, I, I don't think like Sharpsburg is full of racists, you know? Like, I think that they're, who, it's um, Alma who says like, oh, he's, he's just a, he's a good guy with some bad ideas, <laughs> you know? Um, and I think that that's probably true of a lot of folk, you know, of a lot of people and not like not even just in Sharpsburg, you know? Um, but with Poot, for him, it's, I think, his ability to compartmentalize, to be like, oh, no, he's a great guy. There's just that one little tiny corner in him that, like, eh, you know, I don't... I don't engage. Yeah. yeah. I don't engage, right? Like, because you don't have any reason to, really, right? It's not, again, it's not like there are black people around who, you know, are being hurt by your friend's behavior. Um, but for... Yeah, so for Poot, it's more like a, I don't know, there's a little laziness there. Yeah, <laughs> or, or absolutely. Like, you know, that feels millennial. Yeah, right. Yeah, like I don't, I don't go necessarily back to agree with you know this part of your persona or you know your your beliefs. I don't necessarily like we just don't overlap there, but we overlap in a lot of other ways. You know, we both enjoy beer. <laughs> you know we both enjoy pretty we women both have you same, know like, like we both had mrs henderson we both or like, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So we grew up together like he's he's grown up here he's got friends you know who as far as he's concerned really are good guys with the exception of this this thing that he doesn't agree with but it doesn't come into play in their everyday lives so <laughs> I also didn't get the sense that Poot liked Dylan very much. Yeah, no, nobody. It's hard likes to like Dylan. Dylan's role, like when you're like, who's the villain? I'm like, it, 
It quite possibly might be. Well, because she said it was it was racism, and Dylan is Dylan's like, like the, the racism in a hat. Of like that's who he is. I guess he comes the closest. Yeah, the closest. but even he's got like you know like the fact that he's so excited about like planning the party and oh my god, the hot, hot wings. wings! I know you love hot wings. You know, like that he's like trying to be a good friend the way he knows how. You know. Well, I think um, that's it's so um, kind of uh, uh, in, in that same vein what you were talking about with the. Um, the the ideas that they have that don't that in quotes like aren't hurting anybody around them when they there's a discussion that Dylan has with Jeff about where Jeff kind of finally says like are we don't want to we want we don't want to kill black people right and he's like no I mean we couldn't even get away with that which is not an answer um, <laughs> but also like this idea that the people if for everyone who's not a Dylan right for everyone mm-hmm. else who grows up in the community. Mm-hmm. If you're not seeing them in engaged in violent action, engaged right. in in yeah. cross burning, if most of what you're seeing is the play groups and the ways that they are serving is basically a lions club, right? No, uh, like when did the clan become I mean, the the elks? Yeah, that was my yeah. question. Well, is a is kind of fascinating that I don't you couldn't. I mean, I'm not equating these two at all. That this is gonna, but I think it's interesting as a community. Like, I don't know what the Elks have to sign before they become Elks. I'm imagining it's not about racism, but I don't know. You know what I mean? So if you grew up in a community that's never had to see any of the underpinnings of what these guys have aligned themselves with, mm-hmm. uh, where that li- where that lives in your brain as, right. like, a helpful community, <laughs> like, uh, a pillar yeah. somehow. Yeah. There um, was something my dad told me once. My grandfather in Linfield, Massachusetts, uh, owned a liquor store, Donovan's Liquor Store. It's still there. Everyone go buy it, though. It doesn't Donovan's support liquor. my family. Because uh, <laughs> right. uh, we sold out. But, so anyway. Weird shout-out, but okay. Weird shout-out. Donovan's out. Liquor. Here we go. Okay. Keep going. Um, he, back in, when my dad was a kid was basically forced to become a Mason. Like, he didn't want to be a Mason. He had no interest in being a Mason. But if he wanted people to come to his store and he wanted people to frequent his business and he wanted the support of the community for his kids and his wife, he had to become a Mason. And I remember my dad telling me that story. And I remember reading your play being like, when did the clan become the Masons? Like They've all actually... They have a history. They There's a history of... Um, there's that two-sided thing, kind of like, I mean, not to, but kind of like the Black Panthers, you know, or kind of like, um, oh, oh, do you know that famous, there's a, there's a photo of this dude, and it's at a, it's at a, a rally, I guess, like a Nazi rally or something, and everyone else is, has got their arm up in the, sort of, the Heil Hitler, mm-hmm. you know, um, salute, I'm, I'm raising my arm for you guys. Um, oh, yeah, she's there's raising a, her arm. There's an arm raise. See it. But they've all got their arms raised, and there's this one dude who's just like, nah, and he's got his arms crossed, and he's looking at them all like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Um, and he is just we, not having. That picture up on our Facebook. That'll be up yeah. on our website. <laughs> yeah. and Again, on it'll be next to Donovan's Liquors, which will be weird and yes. not very good advertising. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it turns out that that dude, and I forget his name. It was something, you know, German and and you know, with lots of <laughs> in it, or you know. But um, that dude actually had um, in 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 the early part of the of the movement i guess like was actually a part of the nazi party because um they helped him find work mm. so this is like the the double edged you know this is sure. that thing where on the one hand like like as much as you hate 
certain populations like you love your own and you advance your own so it's really always been that way they've like sort of gone hand in hand you know hating one population to sort of you know advance your own um but yeah that guy <laughs> guy with his arms crossed you know had um had been a member of the nazi party until he fell in love with a jewish woman um and then you know fell out <laughs> fell out with the with the party because huh. they didn't approve of huh. his um marrying her which he did that kind of um i don't know i just i don't i don't understand like why why championing or celebrating or um advancing you know, people who look like you or or who believe the same things that you believe always has to be at the expense of someone else. Particularly, I wanted to ask you about um, geographically why you chose Maryland, because we had some discussion with the actors yesterday mm -hmm. um, about how, and this is a... a you have three New Englanders running a podcast. So I think when you first hear, which which I think when we first read this and when you're placing it in your mind and you're from Massachusetts and Maine, mm -hmm. I think you think further south. I, yeah. think I had you it think placed in different Tennessee. Place. I had it placed yeah. in Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Tennessee. And we had one girl from Maryland yesterday in the cast mm -hmm. and she said, no, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, not yeah. this is not Bethesda. This is elsewhere. In, yeah. yeah. It's and, on the border. It's literally on the border of West Virginia. Um, yeah. like you, you have to, like, I literally, I had to drive through there to get to the, the festival actually that gets mentioned. That gets referenced. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you have to drive, you have to drive through there. Um, and it is a little bit surprising of like, here's a relatively Northern state, yeah. you know, an hour from a DC, relatively Northern saying, place. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you, you just don't think of that, but it, but so it's in this like, geographical limbo and also like a cultural limbo mm -hmm. um but even that like shit i could have said that in staten island yes you, you could, could set, set that, that in maine you could set yeah. that in maine yeah. really easily i went to college in ithaca you could set it 15 minutes outside of ithaca Might and it would make perfect sense loud and proud but it would be there. it's pretty loud and proud right outside of ithaca really yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah so i didn't i don't i didn't want to just keep you know <laughs> Northerners have no right to just be patting ourselves on the back. No, <laughs> you know no I mean? and nor, like nor would I expect progressive and diverse and yeah. whatever because no, no, that, that shit happens up here too. Sure. Um, yeah. But I think we think of the visual of it as being elsewhere. Yeah, we see the Mason Dixon in our head and we mm -hmm. just do the North Side. And maybe um, if that's just a self contract. Hi, Rockland County, like sure. with Confederate flags hanging yeah. from the awnings. Like, the, it's a, it's. Everywhere. It's, like here. it's everywhere yeah. it's here um yeah and I, I think that you know nothing good can come of being complacent about that shit and being like oh well that's that's not us you know that's yeah. that's not here um like no you probably have an uncle who lives in upstate new york who's like who's you know ironing his flag right now aye, aye, aye. Um, do you know do they make you take a dna test is that a real part of the yes. thing hmm. really I that, that makes me i i literally just did a like Marcus, ladies and gentlemen. Marcus Bagala is in no, the I, room, No, I've, guys. like, really been wondering about this, and I, and I was, I wanted, if you guys weren't, I was going to ask that exact question, but um, I just did it. Me and my wife just took a, an ancestry test, and, like, I can't imagine that, like, that must be bad for their membership. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, yeah. like, people yeah, it's gotta in, have a low in, in America, very genetically diverse. Yep. Which is, like... <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, I imagine that Jeff is not the first person to get it. Sort of <laughs> no. a surprise. <laughs> yeah, like uh, it's. Yeah. Can I totally change uh, tracks on you? Um, uh, let's talk about theater. Can we talk about a little <laughs> yeah. bit more theater? Yeah. It can still be about this, but I want it to be about theater too. Um, do you have? Uh, so it's it's not quite the the checklist from inside the actor studio or anything. But do you have a favorite playwright? Do you? Have oh a my favorite? god, I have so many. Do you tell, tell us about those. <laughs> oh. Okay, well, I have. I think Lynn Nottage is probably my favorite playwright. Like, not just because I love her work, which is freaking awesome. <laughs> um, but I actually was her um, assistant when I was in grad school. Um, <laughs> she like very graciously took me on, where, and it was by the way, like, where was your grad school? Oh, at NYU. Great, sweet. Um, but yeah, so Lynn Nottage definitely. Um, Tina Howe, Teresa Rebeg, um, a lot of ladies. <laughs> yeah, a lot of ladies, which I don't think is a coincidence. Um, but I do also, of course, August Wilson and um, Tony Kushner is pretty cool. Um, his stuff. I think Angels in America was the first play that I read that like really excited me. Um, Paula Vogel also. She's pretty wonderful too. Um, so yeah, those are like... And you're mostly um, naming living playwrights, which is rad yeah, too. That's cool. Yeah. Let's see. Who else? Who else? Oh, oh, oh. Like contemporary playwrights. Like... Okay, Dominique Morisot, of course. Oh my god, she's amazing. Um, Dominique, Linnell Moise, Kimberly. Oh god, I adore her. Brownsville song, do you know it? I know of it. I don't yeah. know. Is that? Oh my god, so good, so okay. good. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to list off that. I'm going to just start writing notes because these are all things I'm supposed Homework. to. I really yeah. dig. Occasionally, I even like white guys. So, like, <laughs> James McManus, um, August Schullenberg. Oh, Nick Gandiello? I don't know Nick Gandiello. Oh my god, I just discovered him recently and I was like, oh my god, he's a genius. Oh, and Sarah Ganter. Is there, I, this is a, okay, so this is a two-part question and I'm putting you on the spot so feel free to tell me no and then we'll just cut it. Well, that's what we'll do and we'll just eat more strawberries. Um, what's one way that American theater is doing, get, getting better? at something. What's one problem that they're doing, they seem to be, theater, I'm, give, I'm making it an entity, that, that people are doing a good job at, and what's one way they're not, they're not pulling their weight yet? I mean, I guess there are, I mean, it's not necessarily Broadway, but like, I would say off-Broadway theaters are at least trying to, to be more conscious about being, um, I hate using the word inclusive because there's this implication there that like... Yeah, I agree. You know that, what I like, mean? It, it implies that there is a crew that is saying yes versus just we're yeah, all Yeah, versus just like, hey, yeah, we're all still here a, a power and we're all doing Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, if we're being real, that's kind of what it is, you know? <laughs> it's like, you know, these, you know, pretty white institutions or at least institutions with people with white people in the decision-making position, right, um, deciding to include, you know, or to be inclusive of other people in their community who don't look like them, you know, <laughs> um, and who don't write like them or, you know, don't um, tell the same stories that they're used to hearing. Um, I think that off-Broadway, and off-off-Broadway especially, of course, is, like, doing a much better job um of opening uh, opening its doors, you know. Um, I had kind of an eye-opening experience at the Lark 
Play Development Center, which is like my favorite place. My, we love my, the Lark here. Yes, as you we love the Lark. I just developed Everyone a piece should. at the Lark in January, and yes. it's the happiest place in New York. It's, it really yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone is so cool. We can talk, so about, talk about sort of nebulously, but one of the things that we're doing in the next couple months is um, uh, we're working with the Lark. We're to, partnering to up with gra- the Lark a little bit. We're joining up with the Lark to get new playwrights from kind of uh, through the Lark pipeline onto the do podcast. It, do yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. They are all the, the best the most playwrights, glorious people, and just the warmest humans in New York. They're just so rad. I had this eye-opening experience at the Lark, like you do. So um, I was part of their um, their playwrights workshop, which is like their, their like resident playwright program mm-hmm. thing. Um, and it was I had I'd agreed to to do the playwrights workshop after I'd been rejected for the Pony Fellowship, <laughs> which hurt, but it's cool. Um, so didn't get the pony. Dominique Morisot got the pony that year. Um, and I remember feeling like, you know, man. But then I was like, dude, she said, like, get over yourself. It's the lark. Like, you love the lark and you do good work there. And everybody does good work there. So just go and, you know, suck it up and go be in the room. So um, so I was in the room with Dominique Morisot, with like those playwrights that I, a bunch of those playwrights that I just mentioned. That I said, so Dominique Morisot, um, Kimberly, Rajiv Joseph, who's a freaking genius, and mm-hmm. I forgot to name him. Um, but the point is, like, you know, I got in that room, and suddenly I was like, oh, you know, and I'm hearing all of their work, and I'm hearing their work, like, as it comes out, even, you know, like, all raw and, and beautiful. And and I was like, oh, shit. This is, this is what they're choosing between? You know, like, this is... Right. <laughs> you know, like... I do not envy like John Eisner, you know, I don't, I don't envy people who are in a position where they have to choose, you know, this playwright's work or that playwright's work because it's all fucking amazing. And I just, I was, and suddenly I just felt very, uh, lucky, you know, to be even considered. Um, and it made it really hard for me then to go back to being jealous. So I guess maybe that's a way in which like, um, you know, these development programs that are, that are happening all over the place, you know, um, the ones that I've been involved in, most of them have been really great. Like, um, the Lark or, um, uh, I know, oh, the Dramatist Guild has a fellowship that's, um, Mm -hmm. similar. That's pretty good. Um, Oh, what else? And now, of course, I'm like, I'm totally blanking out. And I can't remember, like, any, and someone's going to, like, call me on it later and be like, you didn't mention our program. Um, There do seem to be a ton. But there are a lot. And I think I get it now. I think, um, or at least I get, like, what the benefit is. Um, Yeah, I think it just, it fosters this this sense of community. And it it does, it goes a long way to sort of mitigate that, um, that, that toxic, you know, jealousy and and entitlement you know that 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 writers can get when they're sort of writing in a vacuum um yeah so that's i guess one thing all right yeah thanks i don't know did that no I absolutely remember like what the I'm question not, was at this, this point conversation is so <laughs> fascinating no i could i feel like i want to be cognizant of time because i feel like i could keep you here and pick your brain for hours because i think this is also rad. We talk a lot about, uh, and we recorded our first playwright interview very recent, very, very soon after the election. Yeah. Literally like it was like two, it was days, two days later. later. And, and one of the things that we've talked about is sort of like the, the role of 
the role of theater, the role of art generally, um, in a time kind of as politically charged as this one. Um, and I think for some writers it's felt like, oh, it really changed acts. And for you, it feels like, you know, you talked about having a mission for your work from the beginning. It feels like that, that is, that's not going to change either way, but, <laughs> but has what you're, you've been writing shifted at all since, since the election I mean, or since any kind of specific set of Kind events? of. Like, um, you know, I'm still like a social issues kind of girl, yeah. you know, um, but I definitely find that I have to be more deliberate about stuff or, um, or at least think about what response I'm trying to elicit from my audience, you know, and that it's not just about like, ah, I just want to represent the underrepresented, la la la, right? It like, now I have to think about, all right, who's my audience? How are they going to interpret this? What message am I hoping that they'll walk away with? And I was kind of doing that before, but now I'm like, okay, fuck, I got to focus. <laughs> like, Why really do you gotta... think, why does that shift, for, or, or where does that shift live for you? Um, I think, you know, it's what we were talking about earlier of um, uh, it's just realizing like how important it is to get people to understand others <laughs> or to give a shit about others. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's sure. kind of the short answer. Um, like if I don't have some kind of understanding about people who say voted differently from, <laughs> from who cast a different ballot, you know, then then we're just gonna be we're just gonna remain on opposite sides of the of the chasm, you mm -hmm. know. And there's never gonna be. Oh, I hate using cheesy language like oh the bridge, but. Fuck, it's a bridge, dude. Like, theater, <laughs> theater can be a bridge. She said, if you had like a, like a, 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 a sounding off, like how would you wrap up? What would you, what would you want listeners to know about either your work or the state of theater? Or is there a production that you desperately want people to go see? Oh, Ooh, shameless plug. Oh, shameless yeah, yeah, plug yeah, shameless time. plug time. <laughs> um, I actually do. I'm about to go into rehearsals for um, a play called Somebody's Daughter. Um, it is the culmination of a year in residency at Second Stage Theater. It's going to be in their uptown space. So again, somebody's daughter at Second Stage. You can get tickets at www.2st.com. Jeez, I don't think we could like establish enough how, how big fans you've made of the three of us. Oh, yeah. uh, thank you so much for joining us today. And your cast. Like, oh God, the cast was oh my God. obsessed with we set the We set the play out and everyone was writing back like, what? <laughs> yeah. Thank you for being here today. Truly, we could go for another hour. I want to, we, we may um, keep you here and ask other questions. I don't know. But um, uh, we, we should hit what we hit with every, every actor, every playwright. Um, uh, it is at the table uh, tradition. Uh, Chisa Hutchinson, what is your favorite snack? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Right and I'm a power. snack person too. Are you? You can oh, say multiple you can things. Go for multiples. Yeah. Snack person. I knew she was our we're kind of person. <laughs> we're snack people. That's almost entirely what Dude, we are. Snack person. And I actually don't know that there's another way to describe us better. Yeah, well, you know, those three, they're like snack people. <laughs> I guess right now, because I've been seeing a lot of um, like Broadway shows, because mm -hmm. um, I got free tickets. Yeah, yeah. Thanks to Second Stage and the Tao Foundation. Thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> But I've, and, and I've, I'm a little obsessed with these like plantain chips that they have. Yes. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I don't. Oh, holy fuck. I'm like, when did you guys get cool? They've got these like platanos 
things and they're like covered in like chili powder or some shit. It's like, yeah, okay. I don't know what the fuck. At but Broadway it, theaters? At Broadway theaters, dude. I was what? at like War Paint. When well, didn't the Nederlanders like, get that cool? Yeah. Like, and, uh, well, sorry, if you're listening, right Nederlanders, you're already very cool. For whatever reason. Yeah, we're sure you're really cool, Mr. They're super in vogue. He's doing fine without our, enjoy, our, our endorsement. He's like the new quinoa or whatever. Yeah. yeah. No, it really is. being the new quinoa is the name of my new place, so that's that's what that is. That's not, that's not mine. But yeah, if you're, I don't know if you go see a Broadway show and you ha- you hit up that snack bar, man, and get some of those plantain chips and let them know like that you see you see them and how they're yeah. trying to like shake things up a little bit there. Um, Vote with your dollars so at the Broadway. Good. They're so good. That sounds good. Is there a Broadway show that you loved recently? Actually, War Paint. Great. Yeah. I really liked it. Oh, um, yeah. It was the feminist play that I didn't know that I needed. <laughs> like you just didn't freaking War Paint about like makeup, like these. Chicks who like you know are own these mega makeup companies, you know, who are rivals. Wild, that's so funny. It was really kind of it was really pretty neat. But yeah, I really I liked I liked war paint. Chisa, thank you for yeah, coming that, up that's to my, Harlem. We should cut out the part where I talk about Doll's House for ten minutes. Um, thank you so much for coming today. Thank I you, guys. Truly, and thank you for letting us thank do you, your play. Thank you for the play. Um, you can find out more about Chisa uh, at. Our website. Um, do you have a website that they can go I to? I do. Yeah. www.chisahutchinson.com You can go there, or if um, uh, you weren't writing that down, you can go to our website and you can click on it. It'll be that easy. It'll be super um, accessible. Uh, and uh, please be on the lookout for Somebody's Daughter at Second Stage Uptown starting in May. Right around- go get your tickets. Go get them. Bye. Bye. <laughs> this episode was produced by Charging Moose Media. Telling great stories through new media. This episode was edited by Ned Donovan and mixed by Marcus Bagala. Original music by Marcus as well. As always, our hosts are Rachel Flynn and Ned Donovan. We'd like to thank our playwright, Chisa Hutchinson, and the cast. Also, if you're in New York City, make sure to get over to Second Stage and see Chisa's play, Somebody's Daughter, which has just been extended through June 25th. If you'd like to know more about Chisa, Kin, Somebody's Daughter, and all sorts of other super awesome stuff, be sure to check out our interview with Chisa, which releases in two weeks. And the usual refrain, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Every little bit helps us secure sponsors and keep bringing you exciting new plays each month. And other fun stuff too. Cheers! Cheers!